This is an AMI podcast. I'm Joyita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. When I was 18, I had an epiphany. I had never seen a person with a disability, like me, portrayed in either films or on television. No, wait, that's not entirely true. On the extremely rare occasion I encountered a person with a disability in a TV show or film, it was almost always as a means to elicit pity or meant to inspire. So at 18, I realized that much of the media I consumed either ignored disability or used disability as a conduit to talk about able-bodied assumptions about living with a disability. I have since wondered why I took so long to become aware of the absence of disability from mainstream media. Today, we discuss disability representation in film and television. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Hello. And welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. I'm Choitha Gupta, and of course, it is very good to be with you here today. My guest today is Dominic Evans. Dominic is a director and writer, activist, Twitch streamer, and consultant with a BFA in film. He fights for inclusion in media, marriage equality, gaming, and reproductive rights. Dominic founded Hashtag FilmDis to better understand disability in media. He works in Hollywood to make the industry more inclusive to disabled people. And he joins us today from Detroit, Michigan. Dominic, hello and welcome to the program. It's really good to have you with us. Hello, thank you so much for having me. And I'm so excited to talk to you about media representation of disability, which is one of the topics I am the most passionate about. So I often wonder at my obliviousness. And here I was an 18 year old, I'd started university and I had not realized until my first year at university that there were no disabled people or hardly any disabled people to be seen on TV or in films. When did you realize, Dominic, that there was an absence of disability representation in the media? That's a fantastic question. So I have multiple disabilities. I have a disability called spinal muscular atrophy, and I've been using a wheelchair since I was 16, but I've always known that I was disabled in some way. And because of that, I was really aware of how society perceived disabled people because I don't really remember a time when I've never been perceived as not disabled. That being said, I didn't really put together that how I was feeling about myself or many other things were because of the lack of representation of disability Mm -hmm. in all forms of media. One of the big forms of media that I indulged in growing up was television. And there were very rare instances, such as Jerry Jewell on The Facts of Life and other characters like that that I was able to see. But I'm also LGBTQIA, and um, 
So I'd never, I'd only see a part of myself. I would see either the disabled part or in later years as gay and trans characters have come on television, I'm finally seeing that part of myself a little bit too. But even today, I have yet to see a trans disabled person in any form of media that reflects my experience. So I wanted to set out and create those experiences for others because if I wasn't seeing myself, then I knew that they weren't seeing themselves. It really became apparent to me in college, and it was, I so I went to college twice. The first time I studied acting, and that was around the time I was 18, 19, 20. I got injured in my last year of college, and I never finished. Well, seven years later, I went back to the same university, and I studied film instead. I wanted to be creating the media because what I realized was I'd been incredibly lucky as an actor. That's where I started. I was involved in acting and singing and performing as a child. And I didn't see a lot of the discrimination because I was very, very lucky to have a lot of directors that were willing to work with me. And that is not a common experience in the theater for a lot of disabled uh, actors. So um, I, I had this view that not a lot of actors have because I had these opportunities. I literally had a director create a ramp for the stage for me so I could be in a show. That is not typical. We don't have people willing to accommodate us. Usually they'll say, you're too much trouble. So I came in with kind of these rose-colored glasses because of my own experiences. And then when I got to the higher level, going into college and beyond my community and where I was acting, I really saw that there were these barriers for disabled actors. And it was frustrating being injured and not even able to act at all, I could really get this perspective that they weren't going to include me anyway. And that's when I really wanted to get involved behind the scenes creating film. Because if I couldn't see myself, I wanted to create that media for myself and others. So once I got to college the second time, they had classes where we talked about representation of every marginalized community but but disabled people. I ended Mm -hmm. up having to create my own class so I could study disability representation. And learning about disability representation in film around 2010, it was just mind-blowing to see how little representation there was and how Mm -hmm. harmful the representation was there. And that's when I really began working on FilmDisc and things like that. FilmDisc officially became something in 2015, but I had been building this up through a lifetime of activism. It all came to this work from everything else I did before this. 
And what sort of barriers did you face as an emerging filmmaker? You've noted that uh, for actors with disabilities, there are challenges. Or what about you? Were people willing to pick up stories about people with disabilities and, and go with them? Yeah, that's been a really big challenge for me. The barriers start in film school for many of us. I know some people have had okay experiences, but for me, I'm the only person in the history of my school that I know of. I don't know about after me, but the, up until um, my year, that made their junior film by themselves. Usually you work as classmates together, and nobody wanted to work with me. I was segregated from my classmates. They And I was told by a classmate, nobody wants to work with you because you can't contribute to help us. There was a, an assumption because I physically can't lift film equipment that I could not contribute in any other way. And then when we did, uh, we they would do this thing at my school where someone from Hollywood would come and mentor us. And each person in my class got a role on the set. They made me the assistant di director. It was the first time my classmates ever considered that I could do anything on a film set. And I did fantastic. And everybody was so shocked. And it was like, I knew I could do this. I'd been telling you I could do this, but you didn't believe me. And I don't really have any contact with any of my classmates. A lot of them stick together, hang out, make films together. I'm not a part of that world. I don't get to be a part of that world. I'm disabled, so I'm excluded. So that's where the barriers started. But they're all over Hollywood. For a director, I often tell people in every situation, I have to be considered to be considered. You know what I mean? First, mm -hmm. they have to consider me worthy of being considered as a filmmaker. So first, I have to make them recognize my humanity as a person, and then they might consider that they could make my film or that they could, you know, that I could be a showrunner or things like that. So those have been the barriers of, um, at least from a disabled standpoint, I'm also trans. There's a large amount of transphobia and queerphobia in the disabled community. And that's been a barrier for me as well. If I don't have non-disabled people supporting the work I do and disabled people are transphobic, then what support do I have? So that's been a real struggle finding support for the work I do. But luckily, there are a few people who just, they keep seeing the work I do is important and they're willing to support it. And it's because of these people, people with more privilege than I have that have opened doors for me. I want to mention one other thing because of that. I feel it is imperative as a white disabled person to make opportunities as I gain privilege for more marginalized disabled people than than I am because I have white privilege. You know, I don't have this privilege or heterosexual privilege, but I have white privilege. So 
in terms of uh, access to Hollywood, I have more access than LGBT, black and brown disabled people. So I have to make spaces for people more marginalized than I am because it's harder for them just like it's harder for me. So as I go, that's a part of what I do is I don't just create film. I want to create more opportunities for disabled people in media with me. I want to bring people along because that's the only way change is going to happen. I'm Juita Gupta, and my guest right now is filmmaker and activist Dominic Evans. Dominic, before the break, we were talking about how you really wanted to create space for other people with disabilities. So tell me a little bit more about some of the projects that you've been working on and how you've managed to realize that ambition to make space for and create opportunities for other people with disabilities and some of the work that you've recently done. Yeah, so the big projects I've been working on, First, I want to mention our film study into disability representation on television. My partner Ashton and I are working on our third study on representation of television, and all of our work is done from an intersectional lens. As a white disabled person, I need to know what is going on with um, black and brown disabled communities in order to be a better accomplice to help with getting greater representation. As a creator, I want to consciously create more characters that are aware of all of these different identities they have, and it's a part of who they are, but not a defining characteristic. So they can exist in these spaces. Our study found that there were a lot more disabled characters than we thought, but the problem is in how disabled characters are represented and who gets represented. You won't be surprised that the majority of characters on television are cisgender white disabled males. We had 503 out of 1,198 characters that were cisgender white disabled males. We had 334 characters that were cisgender white disabled females. And um, so that was 837 out of 1,198 characters are white. What I found very interesting in our last study, which was our second study, we analyzed 250 television shows airing between one year of time and what we found was that it feels like these creators are ticking boxes 102 disabled black cisgender male characters 102 you know Mm -hmm. what's interesting about that 101 black cisgender female characters So 102 versus 101 on 250 Mm -hmm. random shows, making it even more apparent. We put indigenous and other people of color into a category because there simply wasn't enough characters. What we Mm -hmm. found was 79 characters with 
that were IPOC that were cisgender and male, and 79 characters that were IPOC that were female. 79 and 79. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. How are they not ticking boxes? And interestingly enough, what we found was that when they replace characters that were IPOC or black, they replace them with other IPOC or black characters. They did not replace white characters. So we see mm-hmm. more Asian characters and less Latina characters, for example, in going right. from our first study to our second study. Another project that I'm working on is I do consulting work in Hollywood. I recently consulted with Lionsgate on a number of scripts and other things um, relating to film. And I had the opportunity to bring in another disabled person. And I brought in a trans person of color who's disabled. And they have actually been put into something. So they're an on-call consultant now. Um, as a result of the work they did. So so actually being able to give up names of other marginalized disabled people in Hollywood has been a fantastic way for me to use my privilege and and build spaces that weren't there before. Another project I worked on recently was the film documentary by Selma Blair called Introducing Selma Blair. I consulted on that. That was just purchased by Discovery Plus. Um, So there are, we're finally starting to see Hollywood consulting disabled people about representation, not just in narrative film, but also documentary film to make sure that this representation is not harmful or that it's not sending messages that non-disabled people don't understand or helps them to further discriminate disabled people. So um, that that's really been a lot of the work that I've been doing with Hollywood is consulting, although I would like to get much more involved in directing with Corona, that's been a struggle, but I can tell you, I'm currently directing a project remotely um, out of Hollywood from Detroit. So that's a very exciting possibility for the future of film for disabled filmmakers. I get messages all the time from people that get stuck in bed or have trouble getting out a lot, and they say, I want to be involved in film. How can I do it? It's possible. We are seeing directors. I just had a friend who messaged me, and she said, I just worked on a set, and the director directed us from Russia. They were in L.A. So this is happening with non-disabled filmmakers as well. So Hollywood knows how to be accommodating. I don't think they always realize that they're being accommodating or that they can be accommodating. It's getting them to recognize that we have skills, we have talent, and we have voices and stories that have yet to be told.
One of the things I'm curious about the stories in particular is the advent of something like Netflix into the production of original content. I have lost track of the number of people in my life, uh, just, you know, but also just the number of people who've come on this show and they have said such good things about Crip Camp, which is one of many productions that is an original Netflix production. Do you think the entry of these streaming services into production is a is a game changer or also another possibility? Because they are, I, I get the impression, hungry for unique content. What do you think? Absolutely. Honestly, I would love to see these streaming services embrace disabled creators because we do have the unique perspective that hasn't been told. And I feel like television and film are suffering from a lack of originality. Instead of creating original stories, look at all of the recycling we're seeing. All of these shows from when I was growing up, the latest one I'm just thinking about, I'm thinking about all the controversy around the Wonder Years. So why do Black people have to have a recycled concept from a white family? Why couldn't they have their own stories? You know what I mean? I feel like for every marginalized community, that needs to be true. We... We don't want to have recycled movies. We want our own stories. And don't we deserve our own stories? Doesn't it do a disservice not only to these communities and these individual stories, but also to the original material? You would say, oh, we can just slap on another family and tell this story. These these shows were, you know, loved for what they were, you know, let them stand for themselves and let these communities have actual, authentic, inclusive representation. That's another thing, too. I think it's very important for me to be an accomplice to these communities, even when disability is not involved. If I'm not a part of a community, I need to be, as a creator, thinking about how I can involve marginalized voices in my project. So if I were to run a show and I had characters that were marginalized, I would want my writing staff to include people that look like my characters. They need to be the voices writing these stories. I don't need to be trying to insert my own interpretation of what I think. I need to have authentic voices helping me tell these stories. That's how we build Hollywood up together. That's how we build more inclusion. We do it together. We work together. We build each other up. We support each other's stories. And we create projects together. That's the only way things are going to get better, is letting authentic voices tell their stories. Dominic Evans, thank you so much. Uh, any chance you could stick around for another half an hour? But unfortunately, our time is up for today. Thanks very much for chatting with us on The Pulse today. Anytime you want to talk to me about anything, I am here. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to talk about something I'm so passionate about. People always say, Dominic, you're so mad about this, but that's not it. I am passionate. 
about change. I am passionate about inclusion, and I'm passionate about it happening in Hollywood. Dominic Evans is an activist and filmmaker, and he joined us today from Detroit, Michigan. If you missed any of the conversation with Dominic, you can find the podcast on your favorite platform. I'd like to thank Dominic Evans for being on the program today. Our technical producer is Nasreen Abdul-Majid. Andy Frank is the manager for AMI-audio, and Paula Deneen is our technical supervisor. Thanks a lot for listening, and have a wonderful rest of your day. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.